welcome to the Intelligent Growth Podcast, the ultimate guide for go-to market leaders who aspire to engage and influence their target relationships to market more impactfully, sell more profitably, and create customer evangelists. We're going to help you strategically navigate the customer lifecycle journey from awareness through purchase and all the way to material value creation for your clients. Your hosts have worked with hyper-growth, mid-market, and global enterprises and understand the unique challenges and opportunities CMOs, CROs, and CCOs face when they embark on marketing sales and customer success motions. Get ready to unlock the potential of your unique go-to market strategy, transform your perspective into powerful campaigns, and position yourself as the world-class revenue growth benchmark. This is the Intelligent Growth Podcast with your hosts, Jen Cords and David Knorr. Hi, everybody. David Knorr back with another episode of our Intelligent Growth with my partner, Jen Cords. Hello, Jen. Hi, Knorr. Great to be here. Great to have you. For our audience, uh, if you haven't uh, uh, seen or watched or heard the previous episode, we've got a new format, tighter. Uh, our goal is to add a ton of value uh, in this uh, five questions we review in 10 minutes, and we both kind of share our perspectives on it. And then we double down for about 20 minutes on a topic that uh, either comes up throughout the week or, or we kind of come across, we read about, we discuss with clients that we think might be of interest and value to you. So in this episode, we're going to talk about when the imposter syndrome, something that I think afflicts all of us, really begins to stunt your growth as a leader. And I think it's an important topic that there's a ton has been written about it. I just published a Forbes article about it. And we want to bring a handful of ideas to your kind of attention that that hopefully are useful and practical and pragmatic in how you think about it and how you show up in your respective roles every day. But before we do that, Jen, I think we got our favorite five questions in, in 10 minutes. So I'm going to kick us off. What one goal helped you become the best version of yourself this past week? So in previous episodes and also just conversation between you and I, we've talked about focusing and prioritizing meetings, tasks, et cetera. So this past week, I've really focused on just politely declining work meetings, events, things that don't quite align with where we're trying to go. Uh, and me go personally and professionally. So just politely declining them and making sure that I'm focusing and spending the time that I do have on the things that matter the most. What about you? Lo love that. It's amazing how often we feel guilted into saying yes when we really should say no. Mine is, um, I, I know it's going to make you cringe. For our audience, I'm old school. So I print, I print a lot of things. And I, I know it makes Jen cringe. I, she calls me tree killer. I don't um, need a printer. <laughs> right? So I, I, I've printed my pipeline. And one of the things that, again, is really important is having those opportunities, having those conversations, having those pursuits in front of you. I, I just, I work better when I can see them. And we use all kinds of cool systems and we all have, you know, again, technology that can automate our processes, but there's something tangible to me for having it printed and having it on one page and having it in front of me and you can see kind of my my priorities kind of highlighted and it's less about the close those are important but close date and and the dollar amount it's it just really the 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 primary contact the the account and the opportunity 
and when it's when it's out of sight, it's out of mind for me, like a lot of people. But when I'm looking at it in front of me on a daily basis, it really helps reinforce what am I doing to nurture those relationships on a daily basis. If they're important to me, I want to make sure I'm, I'm developing them, I'm nurturing, I'm sustaining them consistently over time. So that's my tip. Moving on to what are you most excited about this coming week? So as uh, our audience may know, or if they don't know, we are starting a generative AI platform, digital platform. And this week, our that development is actually moving into the, the physical coding development phase from the UI UX phase. And so it's actually where we're starting to construct the environment and putting some of the, the technology puzzle pieces, if you will, together and really seeing it take shape. So that's exciting to me. Um, what about you? For, for the audience, the two of them, Jen and another uh, technical asset that's helping us, won't let me anywhere near the architecture. Okay. I don't understand why, but no, I, it, it really is an exciting time. Uh, I am really focused on, um, so as you mentioned, with Avnir, we, as we develop in the product, I, I tend to think about two areas. One, obviously, product management. So, you know, how do we put the right priorities, the right functionality and value drivers in each version of the product? Uh, and then the second area is customer success. I, I don't think those two areas get enough attention in a lot of organizations, get enough leadership, get enough resources. So we're actually, I'm having two conversations with two great leaders this week on each of those. And I'm really excited about um, I, I love the idea of playbooks. I love the idea of how do we document kind of best practices and bring their wisdom to what we're trying to do. And with each of them, I've said, look, there's an opportunity for, a, for us to start with a clean slate and you're starting with a blank page. So how do we do this right from the onset? And I think both of them are going to be really, really exciting conversations. So that's what I'm looking forward to most. Let's flip the coin. What are you most concerned about this coming week? Uh, AI just as rapidly as it has evolved and become a general topic that most people are aware of, the legislation that is trying to govern it is also evolving. So as strategic leaders, it's important to not only have it implemented in your business, but then understand the impact beyond your business and what that legislation can do. So this week, uh, a a piece of legislation was put into place called the Defense Production Act, mm -hmm. and it is governing AI. And when the large companies start processing or creating a new project to process large amounts of data, it they have to notify the government. And the government will actually then evaluate what data they are processing, how much data are they consuming, what models are they training, and then either put their stamp of approval on it or give them concerns that then they have to adjust. So it's just something to be aware of that there's legislation that's quickly following all of this AI implementation. Really important for leaders to make sure they keep up with it. Uh, mine is has been um, keeping up with the Joneses, kind of the tech founder edition. Uh, it is really easy. I, I, I attended uh, the Pavilion CEO Summit last week. And, you know, room full of 150, 200, kind of a lot of tech founders, a lot of tech executives, and you talk to them. And uh, it's really important to not compare their third or fifth year with your first. There's just so much to do when you're trying to get a tech company off the ground. And 
it's really easy to get lost with, oh my gosh, they've raised the next round of funding or they're, they're doing you know the third edition of the product or they've got this great partnership or whatever that stage may be. It's human nature to want to kind of get there. But I want to reiterate, don't, don't compare their third and fifth year of doing something with your first. And as long as you become your own kind of standard, you become your own um, barometer of, of your own progress, your own focus, your own uh, feeling like you're creating material impact and value in the business, that's all that matters. So just not, not, getting, not getting the envy of, of what other tech founders are doing. And, and it's just kind of, you, you got to kind of bring it you know, into perspective. Well, I'd, I'd also piggyback on that to also not confuse uh, their speed in their journey to your journey because they're they're very different the product or platform that they created or their solution may be very different with solving different challenges and problems if they also did it several years ago there may have been different technologies and tools back then so not comparing your own journey and how fast you're hitting some milestones is also really important so not just getting distracted by the shiny object, but also just feel that you're making progress and continue to make that progress, but just not get caught up in, oh, well, they did this in X amount of time and we're still wherever. So on that note, I, I read somewhere that that really resonated with me. Direction is a lot more important than speed, I think is what you're trying to you know yeah. say in some ways. I, I love this one. A lot of people are going nowhere really fast. Yes. So so really focusing on direction versus speed. Moving on, one new tool or platform you're exploring? Uh, so this one, I'm actually not exploring a new tool. I'm revisiting an old favorite of mine. Uh, so Lean Data sits on top of Salesforce, and it helps with territory management, lead routing, um, also like ingestion of appointments and getting them managed quickly. And so I am currently implementing that for a client. Uh, and so that's always exciting to see a old tool that I've worked with, uh, their new development and implementing it in a new place. What about you? Similarly, uh, Salesforce, I've been using it for a whole bunch of years. Um, you were kind enough to help with really optimize our dashboard. And I gotta tell you, I, I really like going there when I log in on a regular basis, which is a key, by the way, and seeing the unique dashboards. And it just reminds me of, of really the power of something I know you're passionate about and you've advocated for a number of years, the, the strategic value of RevOps. And for most of our audience, if you're not engaging, embracing revenue operations expertise, you know what Jen brings and, and a lot of her colleagues in turning and and we're funny enough we're working on a client engagement and and the executive sponsor asked me what's my early perception and they've shared a whole bunch of information with us and i said it, my my early perception is you guys are information rich insight poor and and it and it dawned on them that a lot of companies generate including generate a lot of information how is that turned into something that is insightful, actionable? Ooh, I get it that I'm either ahead or behind or not enough here. What are the levers in the business that I can manipulate to get to what I'm trying to get to? So, so the dashboard, our newly created dashboard in Salesforce after a couple of years of working together really helps me see 
kind of, you know, the focus and the insights of where do I need to really spend time, effort on. So go back. If you're not doing this, go back and get some RevOps help in your respective organizations to get the most out of the information you do have. Moving on to what, uh, again, resources, what either blog or publication would you recommend to our audience to look into? So this week it's focused more technically, but it's on the marketing tech side. Uh, it's a resource called Chief Martech, uh, created by a man named Scott Brinker, who's been in the industry for a very long time, well-respected. He also does the Martech map, and he's expanded that to the sales tech map, and it just documents all the technologies and their growth. But it ties marketing technology trends to business insights that all leaders really should be aware of, mainly, again, focused at marketing, but there are some implications to sales as well. So it's just a great resource if you're wanting to dive into a little bit more of the technology side of things. And what about you? Uh, and for our audience, just as a reminder, uh, forum.avnia.com, we post these questions and links to some of these tools and resources there. So I would encourage you to come check it out. If you can see my screen, uh, mine is this, um, I'm a big believer of constantly reading insights and Forrester's got this great paper on the generative AI advantage. Came out this past, end of past November, so just a couple months old from, from this session. And it talks about how generative AI and some of the things we're trying to do will shape our lives. And what I really liked is if you go down a few pages, Jen, look at this, right? <laughs> so kind of wide impact on multiple domains, right? From society to employees, to enterprise, to customers. It seems, like, and they've got some really interesting insights on kind of every facet of this that seems to be prevalent. So again, for our audience, uh, mine was the Forrester has a report on generative AI advantage, and we'll put a link uh, in our uh, forum.avnia.com to this if you want to check it out. So moving on to doubling down. Jeff, we're getting better at this. We're getting better <laughs> at this, you know, 10 minutes, five questions. We're getting better at it. And okay. hopefully, again, it's useful to the audience. So moving on to this idea of, of imposter syndrome. Um, as I mentioned, I brought it up earlier. I, I published, and we'll put a link again in the show for you, or you can just search David Knorr Forbes. I wrote a Forbes article this past week on when the imposter syndrome stunts your growth. And it's something that I believe we all struggle with at some point. Oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. Or I can't possibly do that. Or they're asking me to present at the, the, the global kickoff or sales kickoff. What, what am I going to say? Uh, and it's something that I think we have to get a lot more proactive in kind of thinking about. Jen, your thoughts on the imposter syndrome? Yeah, to your point, I do believe that most people suffer from some degree of it. I've seen it a lot of times with high-performing leaders, the type A personality, people who have grown up in and around sports at a very high level. They just have this bar that they have set for themselves that is really hard to meet. And a lot of times they struggle with giving themselves grace. But it's that imposter syndrome. It really matters what we do when we're uncomfortable and how we do we handle it. And so what I loved in your article was that you covered sort of six topic areas about what is imposter syndrome and how you can address it. So first, give the audience a little glimpse into how did you come up with the article and sort of the subject matter for it? 
and then we can dive into the six topics. Yeah, and the article actually highlighted uh, an executive who I've been coaching for a couple of years, and Matt's just such a great guy. And um, you know, again, I was hired by his, you know, kind of executive EVP who said, and this is a common trait. I, I want to, you know, I want him to help raise his executive presence. You, you and I've heard people say that, right? We, you know, I, I need him to show up more in that leadership role. And and he had just been promoted to VP and, you know, great technical background, knows his business inside and out, but he was timid in in speaking up. And and, and this is what I mean by stunting your growth. In group settings, um, when I first spoke with Matt, when I first spoke with John, his EVP, the consistent feedback from several people was he has great ideas, but he's very timid in bringing them up in a small group. And I want to just reiterate to the audience, I've always believed leadership at its core is about influencing. It's more than an individual contributor. So how do I influence others to kind of achieve a common mission, a common vision, or fight a common enemy like a competitor? And in that in that role, and often, and, and you know, Jen, one of my frustrations, it seems to be stigmatized, right? It's unspoken of this crippling effect that the imposter syndrome has because it makes people feel less than it makes them feel like a fraud it 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 kind of almost like depression or in some ways makes people feel like i'm not good enough or i can't be good enough and and as i thought about it as i and i and i've talked to other people about this and i've i've seen it in you know frontline contributors to senior executives, typically when the, the the spotlight is on or typically when they get promoted or in a new role or some other way when they're, they have to be on, right? If they have to be on a stage and video is, is crippling for some people. Oh my God, I can't get on video. I podcast, right? You and I've talked to people. I can't do a podcast. What am I going to talk about? I what can't, are you saying about me? <laughs> I can't write an article. Who's going to want to read my, anything that I have to say? So all of those things are various forms of this imposter syndrome. And, and I thought about, okay, so the six steps you were kind enough to mention, and we'll go through them, kind of where do they come from? Almost like a roadmap of, of how to sharpen your awareness. And that's really step one. You have to acknowledge its presence. You have to think through what's happening to me. And it goes back to kind of really being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel this way? Where is this coming from? Hold on a second. And we'll talk about some of these things. I do have an idea. I do have a perspective on this. I do have some experiences on this. And what I found is whenever we speak, I'm going to talk about your kind of unique position. Whenever we speak from a position of knowledge, I'm knowledgeable about something, that confidence tends to come back. That confidence kind of shows up. That confidence... Ask me how to cook, and I'll be like, uh, 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 you know, it just the confidence may not be there. Ask me about relationships, I'll fill you innovation, change management, all the stuff that's within my wheelhouse. I feel pretty confident in talking about those things. So, one is just acknowledging its presence. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would say acknowledging its presence, and to your point, know what your wheelhouse is. But then also acknowledge if the role that you're currently in or you're being asked to fill 
pushes you beyond your wheelhouse and then acknowledge what do you need to up level, expand, go deeper on to make your wheelhouse also grow to then encompass the new responsibilities that you're being asked to uh, uphold. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch up on that. Continuous learning is going to be critical. So, so if one is, and again, we're talking about six steps in both identifying, you know, imposter syndrome in ourselves and others that you might be coaching, but also then how to, how to get beyond it. The second one is really the power of relationships. Obviously I've studied this for a number of years. What I love about relationships in many ways, uh, they become a mirror. They become a mirror in reflecting on our true abilities. They become a mirror in recognizing our accomplishments. They become a mirror in, um, you know, when people rave about, oh my God, Jen, you did a great job on that project. It reinforces, it reaffirms that, you know what? I, I do know what I'm doing. I do know how to do this. And it's this external validation. Although it's not a remedy, it's a, it's a, it's a very realistic perspective of what we're capable of. And that's why, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that you surround yourself with a bunch of yes people, but people who independently observe you being at your best are a phenomenal kind of way to re, you know, refill your cup and refuel your confidence and reinforce that you really do know what you're talking about. And you really do belong in that position on that stage leading that initiative. I'd also add that by finding almost a safe space or other like-minded individuals, maybe it's a group or like a mentorship group, or maybe it's just a group of other people that you know in the industry where you can just openly and honestly talk about the challenges that you're facing and get real feedback from them. And you trust their opinions and their thoughts and their own expertise is one way to help from the relationship side. But then also like the example you've had in your article, Matt, I mean, you were hired to help coach him, but at the same time, that relationship then evolved beyond just being a coach. You became a mentor and a trusted advisor and somebody that he could go to saying, I'm facing X, help me think through this. And so having that person or people that you can go to when you are sort of struggling internally with yourself on what you're needing to achieve, those relationships become really invaluable as well. And you've heard me say to people, you know, don't suffer in silence, right? So that sounding board becomes invaluable. So we're talking about, you know, six ideas to both identify imposter syndrome in ourselves and as we see it in others, but all what to do about it. So number one, acknowledge its presence. Two, the power of relationships, surrounding yourself with people that are going to reaffirm, kind of uh, refill your cup, your confidence cup in many ways. The third is this, and you brought it up, really having this mindset of continuous growth, continuous learning. So in relationship economics, I wrote about adaptive innovation. And it's this idea that when it comes to individual, kind of our own personal professional growth, it's okay to accept that we don't know it all. You've heard me talk about this in, in many leadership roles. Nobody's born with any of it. We all have to pick it up somewhere, somehow. So if you take that pressure off, of um, that, and by the way, that pressure is what continuously feeds our imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. Or, 
I'm not in a position, you know, I, I, I can't lead this group. I wouldn't know what to do. It, it's okay. Some of the, the most amazing leaders I've met, they don't know it all. And they're okay with saying, I don't know. Let's, let's go either find someone who does or let's figure out together. So, so the confidence that says, and you've heard me also say this, it, you know, a friend of mine calls these neurisms. Confidence is I know a lot, but there's still a lot I can learn. Arrogance is I know a lot and there's nothing new I can learn. There's a salient point and a fine line between the two. Make sure you're confident and the confidence comes from that continuous learning, not arrogant where, sorry, I, I don't need to pay attention to this or I need to sit on this. I, I don't, I'm, I've got that covered. I would also say that embracing the mindset of continuous learning by being a leader that shows that you don't know it all, you're also then modeling behavior for those that you do lead, that they don't need to know it all either, but they do need to be resourceful in finding their answers. And so having that collective collaborative approach to solving problems or leading in general is, is something that isn't modeled very frequently. And so as leaders, if we embrace this humility almost to admit that we are not necessarily the smartest person in the room and we shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. And we surround ourselves with others who know complementary areas, uh, demonstrating that and demonstrating to be resourceful and find your answers and take input from others is going to be really important for the next generation of leaders that are coming up. If you've joined us, Jen and I are talking about, you know, the doubling down on today's topic, which is when imposter syndrome stunts your growth. And we're talking about six ideas to think about, not just recognize it in yourself, but also others. More importantly, what to do about it. So one was acknowledging its presence Two, power of relationships as, as kind of reaffirming, you know, reaffirmation that you really are good enough, you're smart enough, and people do really like you, most of you. Uh, three, the mindset of continuous learning uh, is crucial. Four is really redefining our definition of failure. If you think about it a second, the imposter syndrome is often stems from a fear of making a mistake and, and being judged. Oh my gosh, you know, he's an idiot. Or, oh my gosh, she, she has no clue what she's doing, right? So that fear, even though it may not be true, keeps us from trying, as you mentioned, you know, leaping beyond our comfort zone or trying new ideas. Or so if you redefine your definition of failure and for our audience, um, Amy Edmondson uh, is a Thinkers 50 colleague and a friend. And, uh, you know, between our books, Psychological Safety and the most recent one, The Right Kind of Wrong, she talks about this idea of intelligent failure that, that becomes an invaluable investment in your personal professional growth and the company kind of testing, hypothesizing new ideas, new directions, new applications of a product or service, those become invaluable because they reframe your thinking, your approach to failure. And what happens is you start to reduce. You reduce that self-doubt. You reduce the, 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 the freaking out about the potential implications. And by the way, uh, your CFO asked me to ask you to please fail uh, fast and cheap. Uh, but the idea of failing as an enabler of your learning, of your growth, of your team's growth is another way to kind of diminish this weight of that imposter syndrome. 
I would add to that just that I've always called it failing faster. And it is iterate and move quickly, but then always look at what did I learn from this and then adjust because those failures are not exactly failures. Uh, one of our colleagues, he calls them learning moments because they are. It is an opportunity to, to you tried something and it didn't work, but what did work? Uh, and so it's, again, just sort of reframing, reshaping how you think about your, your experiments and your hypotheses. And there's that famous quote that Thomas Edison didn't fail 999 times. Um, he actually, he was successful in figuring out 999 ways a light bulb won't work. So it's just, it's one of those that you just have to change the way you think about something and it'll, it'll kind of change your perception. The next one of the six that we're talking about in terms of uh, both recognizing imposter syndrome, but also doing something about it is this idea of practicing self-compassion. It's, it's, this is, um, this is really difficult for men, right? So ever since we're, you know, little boys is driven into us to kind of be competitive and hard on ourselves and our performance. And we're driven to kind of succeed in every endeavor, whether it's sports or school or whatever the case is. And, and, and it becomes, you know, the, the only the best will do that's driven into us becomes really difficult when we bring that mindset into work. And, and, and again, good, great parents, great coaches mean well through our upbringing, but it doesn't sit well when, you know, we have to show up and the anxiety and the angst and all that really um, kind of piles on. So if we just take a second to, you know what, it's okay. And I just, if I prepare, I'll be okay. And this isn't, I've, I've, uh, I'm reminded of what a mentor told me years ago. It's never as good or as bad as you think. So, so you know how some people go on the highs of the highs and then they, they stoop to the lows of the, oh my God, my light's over. And it's just never, you know, so I'm, I'm in awe of people that regulate their emotions and they're like the duck, right? Above water, cool, calm, collected. Below the water, they might be going crazy, but it's just that calm demeanor says, I'm not going to get overly excited about anything and I'm not going to get depressed about something. So that, that practicing that self-compassion. It's okay. I'm all right. This will be okay. I'm going to get out there and do best that I can. I've prepared for it. I know how to, I've surrounded myself with great people. This will help me grow personally and professionally. All those things I think are kind of that self-love that says this will be okay. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. One of my friends wrote a book called Be Seen, uh, Jen Gottlieb, but she also talks about creating a wins list. So she reflects every night and journals. And we mentioned this in a previous episode that we've done about how do you celebrate your wins and practicing self-compassion and recognizing the things that you have done well helps just reset your mindset to what you actually are achieving and you're not focused on the failure side of it. You're actually focused on the progress that you're making. And so what she does is actually journal every night and she just makes a list of anything small or big things that she was successful in doing that day. And it just allows her a moment of self-reflection and compassion of, yeah, I really do know what I'm doing. Like this is, this is proof that I 
was successful today, that I was making progress today. So it's just those small wins. I know we celebrate the big wins a lot, but even just focusing on the daily small wins will help keep your mindset kind of positive and moving in the right direction. So the last point of the six that I mentioned again, in the Forbes article, we'll put a link uh, or you can just search David Nor Forbes, but we'll put it in our forum.avnia.com in this episode is really focusing on our unique value proposition. Um, Jen, you and I are very different. We have very different skill sets. We have very different capabilities. So, so doubling down, really focusing on, uh, you know, what do you do? I, I've met some people who are phenomenal thinkers and strategists. Others are unbelievable operators and doers. So whether you're financially astute or you're technologically astute or you're, you know, relationally warm, and engage you, whatever that unique value creation, value proposition is, focus on that. And what I'm advocating to a lot of people is surround yourself with others that complement or supplement that skill. Um, not that I can't do it, but the administrative stuff, oh, my expense reports or you know, uh, legal documents, all that stuff is, is not my strength. It doesn't really give me energy. It's not, it's not where I show up at my best. So how do I surround myself with others who bring that capability or competency really helps you think differently about not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And what it allows you to do is reinforces that your progress is the enemy of perfection. Your progress is the answer to headwind. Your progress is leaning into unfamiliar, uncertain environments. And, and it, it again, it helps with that you know what? I don't have to know it all if I surround myself with others who do and really build a trusting relationship that we're not going to let each other down. I'll be okay. This one also is tied to the earlier one about embracing the continuous learning mindset because your unique value, while you should lean into it, it should not become your identity. Like you should be able to expand beyond it and continue to grow and sort of absorb additional skills that are complementary to what your wheelhouse is, but that shouldn't be the only thing that you almost get pigeonholed into doing. Uh, you should be seen as a resource that can be a generalist in many topics, but you then you are the specialist in one or two specific areas that you're constantly evolving and growing um, as well. So we hope this episode on when the imposter syndrome stunts your growth has been of interest and value to you. As a reminder, we're going with a much tighter format, half an hour uh, with the five and 10. Jen and I answer five questions in 10 minutes, practical, pragmatic tips, techniques, tools you could put to use. And then for 20 minutes, we double down on a topic that we hope likewise will help you think more intelligently, more proactively about your personal growth, your team's growth, and of course, your, your organization's growth. On behalf of Jen, um, I'm David Noor. We're live each Tuesday at noon Eastern uh, on typically LinkedIn, but you can also consume wherever you pick up podcasts. We repurpose these into our Intelligent Growth podcast. And wherever you consume those, you can just search for Intelligent Growth. Thanks very much. Look forward to seeing you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Intelligent Growth Podcast. 
Over the years, Jen and Noor have had the privilege of advising senior leaders and their teams on their go-to market strategies, creating world-class processes and capabilities, and integrating complex tech stacks. Now, it's their passion to share marketing, sales, and customer success insights and strategies that will help you transform your go-to market success. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For more, visit the website at avnir.com. See you next time on the Intelligent Growth Podcast.